This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. When any of those one things continues, you can see how it could break down a relationship. But when you have two or all of them that happen on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, year-to-year basis, you can really see why those marriages would end in divorce. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we're bringing you another Best of MKM episode. This week, we're featuring an interview we did in 2020 with the CEO of Marriage Helper. Her name is... Kimberly Holmes. She joined me to discuss the top three reasons marriages fail and what we can do to prevent it. This interview has been a popular one over the years, both here on the podcast as well as on YouTube, and I found it personally helpful in improving my relationship with my wife, Nicole, and I hope it helps you in your relationship as well. Without further delay, let's jump into this best of MKM episode from 2020 with Kimberly Holmes from Marriage Helper. Marriage is a big deal. And just like our health and our finances, we need to take a proactive approach to ensure our marriage is headed in the right direction. And the person who's going to help us with that mission today is Kimberly Holmes. Kimberly is the CEO of a company called Marriage Helper. They are passionate about saving marriages and strengthening families while helping people become the best versions of themselves. When Kimberly isn't saving marriages, she loves spending time with her husband of nine years and her two adopted children from India. Welcome to the show, Kimberly. Thank you so much for having me on, Andy. I'm excited to be with you today. I'm excited to hear from you and learn from you today because I've also been married for nine years and I want to go to whatever, 50 years or, you know, keep it going, man. So I'm here to learn from you. So let's talk about what are some of the major reasons that marriages end? Yeah, when we look at the research that's been done, you know, a lot of people, they say, especially maybe in your world, the financial world, you know, finances are a big are a big reason, right? A big deal. Or, you know, we didn't get along or whatever it might be. They just kind of bunch them under different topics. But when we actually look at the research that was done from the University of Washington, if you take all of those reasons and boil them down, they all actually fit into three different categories. And it all boils down to either one or both people in the marriage don't feel like they are liked or that they are loved or that they are respected. And you can see how, even if we're talking about money, right? When people say they divorce because of finances, a lot of times it's because they did not feel respected, right? They wanted to do one thing with their money. Their spouse wanted to do something different. They could not get on the same page about it and they kept disrespecting each other. And it was a symptom of a core issue that was really going on. So those are the major reasons, the real underlying reasons why people get divorced. Well, let's break some of those down then. So you talked about number one being liked. So what does that mean to like your spouse and how do you not like your spouse? Let's talk through that. 
Oh, my goodness. So, yes, liked and loved, those can get kind of jumbled because, you know, we can feel one day, at least I know I do this, I love my husband, but some days he, <laughs> I really don't like him. He does things <laughs> that can be annoying or habits that he has, different things like that. But the real difference between like and love is I don't feel liked. I don't, on a daily basis, I don't feel like I, like my spouse wants to be around me, like they want to interact with me or that I, you know, don't want inter- to interact with them the way that I'm, I'm treating them. It's more of like they're an annoyance or that I don't really want to be around them than really liking their presence, enjoying our time together. That's what liking is. I want to be, and I want to be liked. I want my husband to like being around me, to like the conversation we have. But on the second step of that is feeling loved. Now, this one goes a bit deeper. It's not just that day-to-day interaction that we're having with each other, but do I feel like they are putting me above themselves, that they are being selfless in our relationship? You know, do I feel like he is thinking about me, that he's passionate about me? If we if we're even were to look at the research about what constitutes love, because it can be a feeling that's there one day and maybe not there the next day, there's actually three things, according to research by Dr. Sternberg, that comprise what love is. And those three things are intimacy, passion, and commitment. So on a day-to-day basis, do I feel like my spouse is committed to me, to our relationship, even when things aren't going well? Do I feel like they are passionate? And that's more of that bedroom passion that maybe we're thinking about there, that we, they craving to be one with each other. And then the intimacy, are we, that's the best friendship part of it. That's the, are we, you know, connecting on a deeper level with each other? And so that's, those are the things that constitute what love is. So when I don't feel like my spouse is committed to me on a day to day basis, or, you know, when things get hard, I'm worried that they might leave. Or if I feel like they don't crave being one with me, then I may not feel like they love me, which is a little bit different than liking. And then that third area is respect. And this one is a huge one, Andy. Respect is so key. And, you know, a lot of times we hear, well, men need respect and women need love. But both people need respect. Both people need love, but both people absolutely need to feel respected. I need to know that if I have something that's important to me, like the way that we spend our money, I want to save, you know, 10% a month. If that's something that's important to me, then I want to know that my husband's going to respect that and work with me on it and not fight against me and do things completely opposite of that, because that's going to make me not feel respected. And over time, when any of those one things continues, you can see how it could break down a relationship. But when you have two or all of them that happen on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, year-to-year basis, you can really see why those marriages would end in divorce. It sounds like a lot of this comes from trying to learn what's most important to your spouse. So how do we start those conversations so that we are informed, whether we're 10 years down the road or or 10 months into our engagement? How do we start those conversations? What are the questions we need to be asking? I should be prepared with, here's the top 10 questions <laughs> that you need to ask. But think about it. I don't know if, the, if it was like this with you and your wife, but a lot of times when we are dating 
or engaged, we are asking those questions, right? It's after we get married and we lose sight of there being a next step in our relationship. You know, when we're engaged or when we're dating, we want to get engaged. We're looking forward to that. When we're engaged, we're looking forward to getting married. And then we get married and maybe we're looking forward to having kids. Maybe we're putting that off for a while, but we can start to grow apart because it can feel like we've achieved what we wanted to achieve. So we stop asking questions and it's like, well, we're married. I know everything there is to know about it. (laughs) That is not true. (laughs) At least in my relationship every day, I feel like even though we've known each other since we were children, new stuff all the time that it's like, what in the world? So asking questions, even just starting with just ask questions, make it a point maybe to even say every day, I'm just going to ask my spouse one question, not even how was your day or something like that. But hey, what was a trip that you enjoyed going on as a kid? Or, you know, who was your best friend in childhood? Or who is your best friend now? Or what is your favorite restaurant to go to? I mean, I think it can come to a point where we overthink it. And we're thinking, I've got to ask the right question to make sure that our marriage stays on track. But we just need to start by having a continual interest in our spouse that lasts over a long period of time. That's great. Well, let's talk about some steps that we can hit on those three areas, liked, loved, and respected. What are some ways that we can make our spouses feel more liked just on an everyday basis? Think about some things that your spouse likes. That's an easy way to do it. I'm not a flower person. If my husband got me flowers, I don't think I'd be upset about it. But one of the things I do like is if he were to write me a note, right? Whenever I have a quick note from my spouse and he knows that I love that, I don't assume, this is another key, Andy, a lot of times we assume that our spouses should know what we like. And so we don't tell them because it's like, well, if I tell them, it loses its allure. It loses its, <laughs> you know, the importance of it. But no, how can I really expect? I mean, if I want my husband to do a certain thing and it would make me feel great, then I should want to share that with him. So he knows that I love notes when he does things like that. When he, you know, when I ask him to help out with certain things around the house or even at work and he does that, I feel Like he likes me, like he's doing something that I'm asking him to do or that I want to do because it means something to me. And I appreciate that. So just doing things for your spouse that you know they like or maybe asking them what they like and then making it an intentional point to do some of those things. Yeah, I love that. So let's talk about the love side of things because you said there is a big difference there. The everyday things that I could do to make them feel appreciated. But how do we take it to the next level and make them feel loved? Yeah. So if we look back at, you know, what is the scientific research show about love? We know that it involves intimacy, passion, and commitment. And I could go really deep in this and say, well, you should, let's start with where's your biggest gap? I don't think we have time in this podcast for you to explain <laughs> all of that, but you can. There is a way to actually find out where your biggest gap is in in those three things in your relationship and then start there. But maybe you could even just start with asking yourself, you know, when I'm thinking about my relationship with my husband or with my wife, then do I feel like I am committed? Commitment here meaning, you know, that for better or for worse in the best and the hard hardest of times, do I have the want to see this relationship through to the very end? That's what commitment is. And so, how do I feel in my in terms of my 
how I feel about commitment, asking yourself that in terms of passion. Do I have a craving to be one with my husband? Do I have a craving to be one with my wife? And if the answer is no, that's not the worst thing in the world that we're just identifying right now, right? Where are some of these areas? And then for intimacy, do I feel a deep connection, a best friendship, so to say, with my husband or with my wife? And if any of those you've said, I'm not so sure, you know, maybe we've lacked in the connection of that intimacy. We don't, we don't share our days and our deepest feelings and what we're going through with each other. Then that can give you some awareness of where you could start. And from there you say, you know, I want, I, I'll do my part of what I can do to start to make a difference in that just by asking my spouse, you know, how they feel, what they're going through, what I can be there for them with in their life. And over time, those three things together as you're working on them, your spouse will feel more loved when you're doing those things. That makes a lot of sense. And then you said the respected side of things, sometimes that can be, you know, almost like the myth that's just for for men uh, as opposed to women. And especially when it comes to money, because these decisions are very important and can lead to problems. How can we work to make our spouses feel more respected as we, you know, progress in our marriage, especially as we've gotten close to this 10 years and, and beyond? A lot of times it's looping them in to the conversation. Yeah, you'll probably appreciate this story. A couple of weeks ago, my husband was, I did not know that he was buying a car, but he was buying a car at auction. And so I got home one day from work and he said, I just placed a bid on a this truck for $5,000. Oh, great, babe. <laughs> great. So... You know, I had no idea about it. We know that from what Ramsey says, people, you know, all these people are saying, talk to your spouse about important money decisions before you do it. So in that moment, I had two options. First of all, I did not feel respected. I felt like he should have come to me. I could have responded to that by getting angry at him. What in the world? How in the world could you do that? $5,000 and you're not even asking me about it. Like, I can't believe you. I could have taken that approach. And I could have been in the right in taking that approach. I'm not saying me being angry was the wrong in this in this situation. But I sat there and I said, I want to be respected, but he needs to be respected as well. And so how can I approach the situation by making sure he still feels respected in the situation? So I said to him, babe, I am... I want to see it. Like, I can't wait to hear more about it. I really wish that you would have at least just told me about it before you did it. I'm, I wasn't going to stop you. I wasn't going to try and, you know, tell you you shouldn't because that is one of my husband's trigger points, so to say, for him. And I know for the past 10 years of our relationship together, you know, starting when we were dating, he he is very sensitive to being disrespected. And especially right now in our marriage, I am the working mom and he's the stay-at-home dad. And so I know that if I were to question him about it, then he it's more to it than just questioning buying a truck for him. It is, well, what about my part of this relationship? What about, you know, what I have invested? I don't want to make him feel like less of a man. So all of this was on top of my mind. And it was just, hey, next time, <laughs> please just loop me into that conversation because I just want to feel respected. And he understood that. And I made it to where in that instance, he felt respected. I ended up feeling respected because of what happened and we were good to go. But it's not always been that way 
in our relationship. I wish I could say it has, but we've probably had more fights because one or both of us have ended up feeling disrespected by the way some, by the way, either I said something to him or he said something to me or feeling like one of us was trying to control the other and what we were spending or what we wanted to do with the money or what we, you know, wanted to do with the kids or whatever it might be. Respect is, in my opinion, the hardest of the three of these because we don't realize when we're not doing it. And when we're not being respectful of our spouse, it can leave some deep damage. It sounds like at that moment, you had the foresight to think, I need to approach this appropriately. And yes, you do this for a living and you're you're trained for that purposely. But sometimes families, parents, spouses, they've got a lot going on. The kids are hanging from their leg and you just explode. You use your animal instinct and say, why the heck did you do that? That's insane. What daily practices or things that you do or do you suggest to people to allow time for that communication so that we're not going off the handle at our spouse? It is hard. I mean, honestly, it is hard. And it really does take intentionality. Understanding, first of all, being aware of it, being aware of, for me, it was being aware of (laughs) when do I do these things that make my husband feel like he's not liked or loved or respected and being truthful with myself about it. And that I think is the hardest part, realizing I'm not a perfect spouse. He's not the one who does everything wrong in our relationship. We both have things we need to work on. So what is it that I need to work on? And then becoming aware of how I do that throughout the day. And it's taken years of practice and will continue to take years of practice. But you know, my encouragement to people is to is to start to start there. What areas are you already aware of that maybe you need to pause and you need to think before you speak or wait before you speak? Maybe wait a day or two when you're not so angry before you speak. You know, a lot of times we believe that things are more of an emergency than maybe they necessarily are. And I found that most of the time, even if something happens right that moment, I can wait and address it 24 or 48 hours later when I'm calmer, when I'm able to address it more level-headed. And it always, always ends up going way better than if I try to address it out of my anger. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work-optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? (laughs) If you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. 
Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. And use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. Yeah, I think about some of the larger fights that Nicole and I have had, and they've usually been around the times where we're lack of sleep. We've got way too much going on. The kids don't give us any time to talk. And we just say what's on our mind and it might not be the best thing. So I hear you there. Absolutely. So there's somebody listening to our conversation right now and they're thinking, you know what? This sounds like something I should be doing, but I'm just so busy with so many other things going on in my life right now. I don't have time to make sure that they're feeling liked and loved and respected. I got to get my work done. What would you say to that? Make time. How do I make time? I'm so slammed right now. I know that it is different for everyone. And I totally get when schedules get packed and especially when kids are in school and their teachers are needing things and they have homework. I mean, it can get crazy. But at the end of the day, what I've had to even say to myself is what is most important in not just right now, but if I'm looking five, 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, as you said, 50 years down the road, where I still want to be married to my husband and us, you know, old and gray rocking on the front porch together, then what can I do today that's going to get me there? And finishing the project at work early is not going to matter. You know, my kid, maybe even my kids being in soccer and ballet and gymnastics, that's not going to matter descaling our schedules, making it to where we're super focused on the important things, the things that we need to prioritize. I'm one of those word of the year people. And my word is margins. Because for me, last year, we brought home our two kids from India. So our family instantly doubled. And so life was crazy. And I let it get way too crazy. And so this year, I've actually gone into my calendar and just scheduled margin time multiple days a week where I block out two to three hours. And granted, I do have the privilege to be able to do that. And I understand a lot of people don't. But I've also had to make decisions about things I'm not going to do in order to put that time in there. And I truly believe... (laughs) 
it's not the easiest thing to say. It's not even the easiest thing to do. But the thing that is going to make the biggest amount of difference in your marriage, in your family, for your kids, for your parenting, everything is to make time for your family. I love the passion that's coming out of your voice right now. Thank you very much for that. (laughs) Very cool. Let's talk about, you know, there's somebody also listening and they're just saying, I've tried to have some of these conversations. Things have not gone well recently. What do you think about therapy? But I'm worried about, you know, opening up. And is that something we should consider? And and what steps would I take to get there? A lot of your listeners are probably in very many different situations in their marriage. There might be to where they don't even know who their spouse is anymore. They definitely don't want to do therapy with them or counseling. They, Or maybe they do want to, but their spouse is done and checked out. Or you know, maybe they just don't even know how to think about any of this right now because their life is so overwhelmed. My encouragement would be, if you're having trouble identifying where your relationship is, I don't know that I would try and have a meeting with your spouse about it because depending on where your relationship is, that may or may not go well. But I would start by doing some of the things we've talked about and then see how your spouse responds to them. And if you're feeling like you need more, then find a place to go. We, you know, There are good counselors out there, but there's also counselors out there who are not pro-marriage. And so be very mindful about who you accept advice from, who you accept mentorship from in your life, and make sure that they are for your marriage, that they're for your spouse, and that they're for your family. That's my biggest encouragement for people if they are needing help with their marriage is test the person first. Don't just trust anyone who's going to tell you what you want to hear. That's great advice for seeking any professional help. Just because they are professionals doesn't mean that they maybe have your best interest in mind or that they're the right for you, you know? So it's a great call for any professional that's out there. Absolutely. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about rituals, things that you can do with your spouse that are recurring, that maybe bring the joy back. Are there any things that you recommend or things that you do with your spouse that kind of bring the fire alive? You know, I love that question. And when we look, again, there's a lot of research out there about actually how rituals are so good for us as people. We are a people of habits and of rituals. And so when we're able to tie the mo- the best rituals that you can have that will have the most impact on you and on your marriage and your family are actually rituals that mean a lot to you from your past. So for me and my husband, one of the big things when I was growing up is that my family would take family, we would go on vacations all the time together. Like that was our thing. When we were at home, I don't know that we had much of a schedule, but but every year at spring break, at summertime, we would go on trips. And so when my husband and I first got married, that was a big thing to me. Like, okay, we have to go on trips this year because that's what we do. And he did not grow up in a family that did that. They were more of board game people and my family was not. But of course, we, this was something we fought about at first because we didn't know how to say what we needed for each other. We just knew he wanted to do that. I wanted to do this and it became, became a fight. But now, now that we're able to understand, and when I was able to share it with him of, Hey, this meant a lot to me when I was a kid, I had 
you know, memories of us going to New Mexico or to Colorado. And I would share those stories with him. And he was able to see a part of me and more about me and why that mattered so much to me. He was absolutely more willing to take more vacations. And same with him. When I was able to listen to him, hear about all the fun times his family would have around the dinner table, playing games together every Friday night. Like, yeah, I wanted that for him again, but I wanted it for our family too. So we've created rituals based on rituals that we had when we were kids. And we've found better, more rituals now that we do together as a couple, as a family. Our biggest one is every Saturday night is date night. Every Saturday night. And we have to have that to, I mean, come no matter what may come. We make sure that that is a sacred time for us because we realized our first year of parenthood, we didn't have that. And we started to drift apart quickly. We knew we needed to rectify that sooner rather than later. So even when all we want to do is sit at home and binge watch Netflix on a Saturday, we were like, nope, we're going to go do something. Even if it's only an hour, we're going to go do it. You can get into that grind of becoming almost like colleagues instead of lovers, you know, or people who are committed to each other. So that's great. I love that advice. It's been very helpful for Nicole and I. You know, one thing since I've got you, since you're my local marriage expert here is I love rituals personally. I'm a creature of habit. My wife likes spontaneity. How do we combine that? <laughs> Yes. So I am more of the spontaneous person as well. My husband is more of the ritual person, but he's, I'm also the extrovert. He's also the introvert. This also was a point of contention when we got married because I did not understand how he thought, how he, I could not wrap my mind around the way that he just did things. And so what we had to find with us was, first of all, communication was key, you know, and being willing me when he saw that I was willing to compromise with some of the things that he wanted to do, then he was more willing to compromise with going out and being spontaneous when I wanted to. But I had to learn and it really was a trial and error. I had to learn his habits. I knew that he needed X amount of time by himself to read a book, to chill, to do whatever, to do his habits, his morning tea, all of this stuff. And I knew the best times. I ended up finding out the best times to approach him about going out and doing things more spontaneous. And it just took that. But again, it was there's a communication part of it that you can't leave out. We can't just assume that our husbands or our wives are going to know what we want, how we want it, or why we want it. We have to communicate the expectations of that to them first. I love that. Communication and then scheduled spontaneity, right? <laughs> right. During this time, we could be super We could be so <laughs> This schedule time. Great. We're going to be wild. <laughs> so crazy. Very cool. Oh, Kimberly, I had a lot of fun chatting with you today. Where's the best place for people to connect with you and learn more about you and Marriage Helper? Absolutely. You can always visit our website at marriagehelper.com. But I always recommend people check us out on YouTube as well, which is youtube.com slash marriagehelper and subscribe to our videos there. That's the best way to follow me at this time. I'm doing some of those videos on there as well. But we have a whole amazing team that does great stuff with couples at Marriage Helper. You can find out more about what we do there at marriagehelper.com. 
Check her out on YouTube. She's crushing it there. Love the videos. They're very engaging, and it also makes you feel like you're learning at the same time. So, Kimberly, thank you so much for your time today, and I appreciate everything you've uh, shared with us today. Awesome. Thank you so much, Andy. I appreciate it. As a quick reminder, this show is for entertainment purposes only, my friends. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific financial situation. Hey, if you want to create some more connections with like-minded people who are on a mission to improve their families' finances, well, you should join us in our Thriving Families Facebook group. This is a free Facebook group focused on helping young families thrive. Every week, we welcome people to our spam-free environment (laughs) for financial family empowerment, and a new group member, Tim Baree, shared this great news with us recently. We just discovered Phi working to pay down student loans, the mortgage, and build wealth while doing it. Well, welcome to the Family Financial Independence Community, Timboree. I saw that Timboree is recently engaged and getting married shortly. Talk about a timely episode, right? If you can start your marriage with a strong financial foundation and a foundation built on trust, honesty, and transparency, then your marriage, it's going to be a strong one. Congratulations on your engagement, Timboree, and we're so happy you're pursuing financial independence and inspiring us along the way. Can I get a round of applause for our new friend, Timboree? All right, thank you very much for sharing with us, Timboree. If you're looking to make some connections with like-minded people and get inspired by their goals, please check out our free Thriving Families Facebook community. Go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. I hope to see you there. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Mark Twain. To get the full value of joy, you must have someone to divide it with. Here's to your happy, healthy, and wealthy marriages, everyone. Carpe diem. 